Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we bring you an update on organizing that's happening on the ground in San Francisco's Mission District to fight displacement and gentrification. We're going to have an in-depth conversation with DJ and music writer Juan Data, who's going to walk us some of his favorite new records, and we're going to play them for you here. And of course, we're going to share with you more musica and info about upcoming events. All this and much more. Stay tuned. I'm Julieta Kuznir, and tonight's program was produced by Nina Serrano and Vilma V. Stay tuned for Noticias Sin Fronteras. This is Velma V with Noticias Sin Fronteras, news headlines without borders, from America Latina for the week ending June 7th. Honduras. Protests continued in Honduras with thousands of people marching in the streets last Friday, calling for the resignation of President Juan Orlando Hernandez. Hernandez confessed that his 2013 presidential campaign received over $250,000 from companies linked to the $200 million scandal involving the Honduran Institute of Social Security, known as IHSS. Emmanuel Cruz, one of the demonstrators, said, It's intolerable, not just the corruption, but also the cynicism of Honduran politicians and the government. Despite his admission, President Hernandez denied any personal involvement in the scandal. The conservative president began his term in 2014. Mexico Returns from last Sunday's municipal elections in Mexico indicate that President Enrique Peña Nieto's pre-party has narrowly retained its simple majority in the Mexican Congress. Jesus Cantú, political analyst at the Monterey Institute of Technology, said the pre lost, but not very much. A strong yet controversial campaign by the Allied Green Party of Mexico boosted the party with as many as 20 seats in the legislature, which may give the PRI a majority in the Congress for the first time in nearly 20 years. Protesters burned ballot boxes in several southern states, but legal observers from the Organization of American States, or OAS, said that none of the incidents prevented anyone from voting. Perhaps the biggest news from this election cycle was the victory of the first independent state governor from the Mexican state of Nuevo León. Jaime Rodríguez Calderón, known popularly as El Bronco, won the governorship despite not being affiliated with either of Mexico's major parties. In an interview before his historic win, he stated, quote, We are about to prove to people that in this country you don't need money or parties, you just need people to change things around. This was the first election cycle in Mexico where social media is believed to have played a major role. Argentina Thousands of people took to the streets in Argentina last week to protest against gender violence. The movement against violence against women is called Ni Una Menos, Not One Less, which has become a popular hashtag trending across the country. The main march took place in the capital of Buenos Aires, where thousands of women marched with photos and placards of victims of femicide and domestic violence. 24 hours after the march, Supreme Court Justice Elena Hayton announced that a new registry to track femicides would be set up by the court. President Cristina Fernández de Kirchner sent out a series of tweets emphasizing her support for the Ni Una Menos movement. Argentina's Human Rights Secretariat also announced that it too would begin to compile statistics on the country's femicide rate. Estados Unidos. Last week, a 19-year-old mother held at the Carnes detention camp in Texas which has been the subject of numerous protests and marches, tried to commit suicide. She has since been deported by U.S. immigration officials without being allowed to meet with her attorney. Lillian Yamileth had been held at the center since last October with her four-year-old son. Yamileth was one of several women at the Carnes Detention Center who took part in a week-long hunger strike in March of this year. Two-thirds of the Democratic members of the House of Representatives have signed on to a letter addressed to the Secretary of Homeland Security demanding 
that the three immigrant family detention centers currently operating in Texas and Pennsylvania be shut down immediately. ID. Former FIFA Vice President Jack Warner is being investigated by U.S. prosecutors for his role in the disappearance of money meant for the victims of the Haiti earthquake. Warner visited the country in 2010 and raised over $750,000 from FIFA and the Korean Football Association to help rebuild the country after its devastating earthquake in 2010. I think if Jack Warner actually stole money that was meant for Haiti, it is a most despicable crime, and I would expect the authorities to do all that they can to ensure the recovery of that money. Criminally investigate the trail of that money? Absolutely and they would have my fullest backing. That was Garvin Nicholas, Attorney General of Trinidad and Tobago. Former FIFA Vice President Jack Warner faces extradition to the U.S. to stand trial on the corruption and bribery allegations. He has denied all the charges. This has been a summary of some of the latest news headlines from America Latina. I'm Vilma V for Noticias Sin Fronteras and La Raza Chronicles. If you have a news item that you would like to share or have us track, email us at larazachronicles at kpfa.org. Now we're going to play you a new track off of Centavar's Centavar's debut album there on Nacional Records and this song is called La Valentina
just heard a new track by Centavar from Mexico, and they are off Nacional Records, and this song is called La Valentina. Good evening, I'm Vilma V for La Raza Chronicles, and I have on the line with me Marilyn Duran. She was born and raised in the Mission District, and she's been a member of Poder since she was 13. She's worked around voter education, gentrification, and environmental justice. How are you doing, Marilyn? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And for those of you who don't know, Poder is... People organizing to demand environmental and economic rights. And its mission is to organize with Latino immigrant families and youth to put into practice people-powered solutions that are locally based, community-led, and environmentally just. They nurture everyday people's leadership, regenerate culture, and build community power. So Marilyn is going to tell us all about the luxury moratorium and what happened last Tuesday at the Board of Supervisors meeting in San Francisco. So um, June 2nd, last Tuesday, the supervisors were presented with um, the legislation that Supervisor David Campos had decided to, to, to present to them about a luxury moratorium in the Mission District. And what that luxury moratorium would have done is put a pause on luxury development, and anything that wasn't 100% affordable in the mission. We've seen um, a high increase of luxury development and very, very little affordable housing uh, for low-income and middle-income families. And so that day, we needed 9 out of 11 votes in order for the luxury moratorium to pass, and we only got 7. And for the community, for the, for the mission um, development, it was a loss. But I think for the community, we, we felt a political victory because we got two swing votes, which was President and Supervisor London Breed and then Supervisor Malia Cohen. And, and I know that, that a bunch of people came out and we feel as a community that that was one of the very empowering moments. I, we, we estimate about 800 people came out. We don't know because there were so many overflow rooms and, and people who came in and out. Um, so we did have a lot of support and it was, it was really impeccable. And there was talk then, in light of that defeat, to put a ballot initiative for the next election. What What's the thoughts around that? So there has been talk about putting something on the ballot. Um, I did talk to community members um, last night, and it seems that it's it's probably not going to happen. It just isn't feasible, considering the amount of time we need to gather signatures. And once it gets on the ballot, how much money we'll have to raise and how much on-the-ground work we'll have to do in order to get that passed. So, so we just think we're a little late in the game. Um, I think there might still be talk, but it doesn't really seem like there's a push for it at this time. So what's the strategy going forward? Because I'm sure that all these folks who are fighting evictions are not just going to go away. No, definitely not. We're, we plan not to go away. Um, we will always continue to fight, especially now that we have so much support and so many people who are fired up. People are ready to fight evictions. People are ready to fight developments. Um, our community is, is going through meetings and, and having conversations about really what are the next steps that we can take to put pressure on the city, to put pressure on the planning commission, to, to really do anything to stop these evictions or to create more affordable housing. So what are some of the next steps that you guys have in, in mind? So the immediate next steps um, Super immediate is tomorrow there is going to be an action or blockade on 812 Guerrero to stop an eviction that's going to happen for a member of our community. And people are going to be there really early to ensure that she doesn't get kicked out. I know that this person has has a disability and we really need to protect our community members that are um, not able-bodied, that, you know, are struggling, they're struggling with fixed incomes, especially in our city where there's really nothing that they can do in our city providing for them. So it's one of the one of the things we're going to do, um, there's also talk about a beast on Bryan is what we're calling it. It's um, a new development that wants to happen um, where cell space, cell space is on Bryan and, and where a bunch of other local businesses and some tenants are located to protect that land. Because, of course, as we've seen the pattern, developers want to tear it down and create more luxury development. It's the same old story, um, but this one's going to be really big. And we are in, in conversations of how to, how to handle that. And the action tomorrow at 812 Guerrero, the community blockade, what time is that? Folks are getting there about 6 in the morning. And where can people find out more information about the Bryant action and the beast on Bryant and the organizing happening to save the cell space or other businesses located in that area? 
for those who are interested, there's a Plaza 16, the Plaza 16 Coalition. Um, you can check out their Facebook and then sign up for their newsletters. I think they're plaza16coalition.org or plaza16.org, and and they're they're putting out when the meetings are. They know they have regular meetings as well. I think once or twice a month where folks can come in and and um, help with part of that process. And there's a bunch of organizations that are in that coalition, um, like Bolas, um and many others in in the city to to fight these giant developments that are, are really causing um, a big impact on gentrification for our folks. And you can find information at podersf.org. You're listening to Marilyn Duran, and she is a member of that group, and she is involved in the luxury moratorium that did not pass last, uh, last week, but still maintaining the fight in the mission. Do you know anything about the proposal to make the 24th Street a historically Latino area and the fight around that? Um, I know a little bit. I am working with um, the San Francisco Latino Historical Society, mm -hmm. um, which is a branch of the San Francisco um, Historical Society, to create a a context statement and labeling some of the historic sites in in the mission in all of San Francisco. Um, and I also think there there are also groups like Calle 24 and others that are um, helping out with just having 24th Street be historic and keeping those buildings there really to um, maintain our history. We've been here for many, many years, um, like others who come to this country for a better life. And, you know, those really need to be documented and saved because we have places like that in the city. Why shouldn't 24th Street be one of those? So, so there is work around that that I'm pretty sure Guy 24 is working on. And can you tell us a little bit about the political landscape? You, Supervisor David Campos put forward the legislation. You did get seven votes, and you needed mm -hmm. nine. But tell us about the other supervisors who are either foes or allies that people need to be aware of. So the the members on the board who were opposed to the moratorium were four, of course, um, two that we had already identified as, as non-supporters of the luxury moratorium. Those were Scott Weiner and Mark Farrell. We lobbied to get the support of Supervisor Katie Tang and Julie Christensen, which we did not gain. And those were the other two that voted no on the moratorium. That's the voice of Marilyn Duran. She's a member of Poder, born and raised in the mission, talking to us about the fight to save families and combat the rising number of evictions in the mission district. Thank you so much for talking to us this evening. Want to give out some contact information or ways for people to get involved if they'd like to, if they'd like to join the blockade tomorrow? Of course. If you would like to um, learn more about um, the blockade, It is at 812 Guerrero tomorrow at 6 a.m. The Housing Rights Coalition in San Francisco, hrcsf.org, is where you could probably get more information. If you'd like to learn more about Poder, we're at Poder, P-O-D-E-R-S-F.org. Um, you can also check Poder out on Facebook and also Plaza 16 Coalition, which is who I also work with on Facebook as well. Thanks so much for talking to us this evening. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza, and on today's program, we are going to give you all a whole feast of music. People are always hungry for new sounds, and they're always hungry for new bands, and we get emails and calls, who'd you play, who was that? Well, we decided instead of just featuring one or two people on a show, we decided to invite in one of our favorite DJs and music writers, Juan Data, who is all over the Bay, DJing with all kinds of people, and he also has a very critical discerning ear, and when it comes to anything alternative in the Latino world, anything coming out out of America Latina, anything the Latinos are touching, whether it's hip-hop or maybe some more soulful music or even just a mixture of rock or all kinds of stuff, Juan probably knows about it and he's a good person to ask and check in because he's a critical but in a great way where he brings a lot of context and history. So thank you, Juan, for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure coming here, bring some records. Today I brought some vinyl, uh, recent releases of Latin music and happy to play them here in the radio station turntable. 
So we are going to go through a mixture of music and even though we're getting to summer and it, we're in June now and people are thinking about what they want to listen to as they start to relax and unwind, you know, I know that you have a lot of people that really speak to you and, and you wanted to start off with featuring a, a group that actually is from California, from LA, but really has a big following here in the Bay and actually comes to town pretty often and sells out some shows. So why don't you tell us about this first band? Sure. The first band I chose is Chicano Batman. They have a new album, new LP, came out recently, and I just got it at their last show they played here in the Bay Area in May, which was sold out, packed, an amazing show. And they're one of my favorite bands from the new the new breed of Chicano music coming out of LA, which is like a, something very big going on right now. There's a lot of bands uh, over there doing, I mean, of course we all know La Santa Cecilia, which is like the only one that got signed by a major label, but they're like an underground level. There's a bunch of other bands. It's interesting how they're like differentiating themselves from the previous generations of Chicano artists, always with that nostalgic theme going on. The, the famous inherited nostalgia of the Chicanos because like they're nostalgic for music that they didn't live, their music, their music from their parents or their grandparents. A lot of the music that I brought today is kind of like in that line. It's kind of like it's new music, but it sounds old. It's retro. It, it appeals to like older music styles, revamped with a new sensibility, new way of thinking, more modern topics and stuff. But the sound is very analog, very retro. And that's why I wanted to play it on vinyl, because it makes more sense to listen to it like that. So before we go to that track, could you answer the age-old question, why are Chicanos so obsessed with the oldies? <laughs> you lived in L.A. You're, you're Argentino, but you lived in L.A. Do you have any insight into this phenomenon? Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I thought you would help me with that. You're more Chicana than me in that sense, because uh, I have no idea. Like, uh, uh, It took me a long time to actually understand it. As an immigrant myself, you always carry some level of nostalgia, it took me a long time to actually understand the whole phenomenon of the, of the inherited nostalgia. Like in, being nostalgic for music that your parents were nostalgic to. Because usually like kids reject their parent generation's music. That's the normal way it goes. Whatever your parents used to listen is not cool when you're a teenager or a kid growing up. You know, it's like you reject whatever the previous generation thought it was cool basically so that's how music gets renewed every every generation but with the chicano thing there's a whole like attachment to the old it goes beyond that it doesn't break that generational barrier so you get a lot of like cool new bands that they totally like look into their past generations music unironically it's not like hipster irony oh let's make something 80s because it's you know ironic no it's completely unironic and it's and it's super cool but it, you know it, like i said it took me a long time to understand it i still don't think i can completely figure it out but it appeals to me because of the the whole funkiness of it and there's a very soulful side and psychedelic side of this like the, all this music usually takes back to a time where there's a, there was a little bit of fusion between the Latino and the Afro-American roots uh, music. And I don't know, I find it very interesting. Okay, so now we're going to hear some of that track. It turns my life into a real life 
Juan Data is here, DJ Juan Data. You can see him all over the Bay. Actually, I know you're going to have a night that you're going to be DJing. I know you have a stronghold night, a night where you get to play some of your favorite jams and people can enjoy your music. And so you can tell us a little bit more about that. But we just heard a song from Chicano Batman, their latest. And we just heard Cycles of Existential Rhyme. And you're just telling us how for you, although it's a new record, it's a record that has a very nostalgic feel. So, Juan, so if people are listening to this and they're just like, this speaks to them, it reminds them of home, it reminds them of their family, it just it feels right for them. Um, what other kinds of bands would you think that they would also love? Well, Chicano Batman, in, in a sense, is very unique. Their combination, the way they're, I mean, there's a lot of bands that do like retro stuff, but the way they combine this like retro psychedelic rock with soldies, lowrider soldies, and a little bit of cumbia, and they even throw in some Brazilian tropicalia or tropicalismo, which is super unique because something that you wouldn't expect a usual Chicano band. But there are other bands that kind of like follow this same style, and we're going to be playing some of them. Like the one, for example, that I wanted to play next, it's called Pelirroja, means redhead in Spanish. It's from New York. And it's a different, completely different, different thing, but it's also like appeals to the same kind of nostalgia. But it's from the New Yorkian perspective, not the Chicano perspective. So, of course, their connection in the sense that they both look to an idealization form of this late 60s, early 70s type of sound, uh, which has like that combination with, uh, with, with soul, African-American music. But of course, this is coming from New York, has a lot more like Cuban, Puerto Rican influence on that side, early salsa and yes, early Fania stuff and 
all that stuff. But it basically is the same phenomenon from uh, from another angle. But it's also like very funky kind of. It's not salsa in the sense like we consider like modern salsa music, but it definitely has some of the salsa roots. It's the title track called Injusticia. That's the name of their album that came out last year on Chulo Records. From it's a boutique record label from New York. And I also want to say the band. It's kind of like a studio project with members from all different bands. And one of them, the leader, I think, is from La Chusma, which is uh, more like a legit salsa band. And then there's a bunch of like musicians from uh, the funk scene, from like Af- do, they do Afrobeat and funk in like the Dapton Records label. And so there's an interesting mix there, and it's called Pelirroja. <laughs>
All right, so we just heard Pelirroja, and the song we heard was Injusticia, which is the title track off their latest record. So Juan, I know that they have a really wide range, and this record is just goes all kinds of places. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about Injusticia? <laughs> oh, well, not Injusticia in general, because, I mean, we can go on and on, because there are a lot of Injusticias out there. But why don't you talk to us a little bit about this record? I like that. It's, it has, a, like I said, it's, it's very funky stuff. They have a lot of like Afrobeat influences, but there's also like Ethiopian jazz mixed into it. There's some bolero and some like slow jams in there too. Some more like salsa-ish stuff. I don't know. It's, it's definitely worth uh, listening and they have like interesting lyrics too. That's another record that you all can check out, and Pelirroja is the name of that group. So, Juan, what else do you want to share with our listeners? Well, we went from L.A. to New York, and now I wanted to go to Chicago. There's a band called Dos Santos Anti-Beat, Anti-Beat Orchestra, I think, or Anti-Beat Orchestra, whatever you want to pronounce it. They're from Chicago. I, I don't know much about them either. This, they're new. They... They don't even have a website or anything where you can research about them. And it's a new record label that this is their first release. The record label is called Sonorama. I think they're related to a party, like a monthly party that happens there in Chicago. And honestly, I only find out about it because of Friends in Common through Facebook. It's a 45 single, a 7-inch single, 45 RPM with two songs. And the album cover has a picture of El Santo, the, the Mexican wrestler. And it's some kind of like Afro-Colombian retro cumbia, very much going to the African roots of cumbia, very percussion heavy, and not on the pop side of cumbia or like the more like melodic kind of cumbia. This is more like focused on the beats and there's no, no lyrics, no singing. It's a dance floor igniter, basically. This is the kind of things that I throw at my party, like at the peak of the night, because, you know, the crowd is going to go crazy and the dance floor is going to get packed. And and I love it because of that. It sounds very, very like Disco Fuentes from the 70s stuff, like uh, Afro sound and that kind of stuff from, from Colombia. And I don't know what, what else to say about it. So why don't we just listen to it? Sounds great. But before we listen, tell us about that party. Oh, sure. <laughs> My party is like every fourth Thursday of the month. Yeah. So the fourth Thursday at the layover in Oakland and it's free. There's no charge and I play only music on vinyl. So and it's not exclusively Latin music. I play a lot of like funk and soul and reggae and hip hop and Brazilian music and African music and whatever fits in there that kind of like goes with the flow, whatever the crowd inspires me to play. I bring a lot of records and I don't know, I improvise based on that. And it usually works out, people love it.
So remind folks what they just heard. They just heard Los Santos Anti-Beat Orquesta from Chicago. And the track that they just heard was Corre Caballo. And uh, that was really fun. And so that gives people this feel that, you know, yes, this is all coming out right now, but it's definitely feels like it could have come out at a different time and has a lot of funky different elements. So Juan, we were just chatting about how right now this is the time of vinyl. This is the time where everyone's coming out with a record, even folks that maybe it's new for them. They haven't done it in forever. So you spend all your time listening to music, literally. You have always been a crate digger. You've always been someone who loves records. That's not new for you. But talk to us about this phenomenon for people that maybe just don't get it or they don't have a record player and they're thinking, what's going on here? This is a great time to get into vinyl especially for latinos because uh, there's a sort of like vinyl renaissance going on for the last few years and it's happening here in the united states it's happening in europe and it's starting to happen in, in latin america too which is amazing because most record pressing plants in latin america closed in 1992 that was like the the date like no more pressing of vinyl and cd took over completely so like here in the United States and in Europe, the record pressing plants, they remain open because they kept doing like mostly house music and like uh, DJ oriented music during the 90s. That was the only thing that was selling on vinyl. Uh, but now like there's been a comeback like since CDs lost a lot of prestige and nobody wants to buy CDs anymore apparently. And Vinyl made a comeback, and not only for our DJ-oriented music, but all sorts of genres. And there's been a lot of like reissues of old music that was never released on vinyl previously. It was only available on, on CD. And also like these, like new bands that come out now, they're like, this is their first release, and they release it on vinyl. And, and they have like only vinyl or digital. They don't even go the CD route anymore. So it's a very interesting phenomenon that's happening and like I say, a lot of artists from Latin America, big names, especially because it's very expensive for Latin American artists to release music on vinyl. It's extremely expensive because they have to send it out to press in Europe or the United States and then mail it down. And as we know, vinyl is super heavy. So the charges for mailing it, it adds a lot to the price of the record. People find out a way to sell it and, and market it and they're, and they're buying it. And so big, big artists from Mexico to Chile to Argentina, Brazil, they're all releasing vinyl again. And that's uh, super interesting what's going on. Like, like for example, last year, Los Tetas from Chile and uh, Tiro de Gracia from Chile. There are two bands that had like big hits in the mid 90s and they never got released on vinyl during that time. And now, almost 20 years later, they, they released those albums on vinyl which is super interesting, you know, and same thing is happening with Babasonicos when they released Jessico a few years ago, their album from 2001, they released it on 2011 on vinyl. And so there's a lot of stuff going on like that. In Mexico, of course, it's huge. Like Julieta Venegas released vinyl of her last album. Even Manar released album, which is like super pop mainstream stuff there. Now they have their music available on vinyl. So it's it's definitely a good time to get into it if you're like a lover of Latin music. And of course, there's all these like little labels that are releasing more underground stuff and reissues labels, mostly are European based, but they also do a lot of very interesting stuff of like recovering and repackaging old music that's really hard to find. And for folks who maybe haven't gotten it yet, we are playing all vinyl set, which is actually pretty rare for Cronicas de la Raza. This is um, not our typical center, but, you know, um, I think we're, we have time for one more track. So what, what else should we share with folks? Okay, this is a little bit of di different from the previous one. It's also cumbia. It's also retro, but in a different way. And But it's here from the Bay Area. It's like we went all around and came back to the Bay Area. And the group is called Los Disco Duro. They're based here in Berkeley and Oakland, and they are very secretive about their identities. They don't show their faces on pictures and stuff like that, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say who they are, but there are personalities in the Latin alternative scene of the Bay Area known as rocking dance floors around San Francisco and around, and they put together this record label called Discos Mas. This is their second release, but they have three already, 
and so they're working really fast because like they already have three releases and and the label's been around for less than a year all of them in 45 rpm seven inch records and the flagship of the label discos mass is los discos duro which is a lovely funny name and the song is called ritmo pegajoso and it's like a it's a kind of like re- retro cumbia, but retro in the sense that it sounds like uh, electro from the early 80s, like Africa Bambata type of electro with vocoder and stuff like that. Super interesting stuff like nobody ever done before, I think. And it's uh, another dance floor igniter guarantee. <laughs> We just got to hear this track. What did we just hear? We heard Los Disco Duro. And um, what was that track? It's a ritmo pegajoso, like sticky rhythm. And it's straight from the Bay Area, like uh, Oakland, Berkeley area, Cumbia. So Juan, why do you remind folks where they can hear you spin, where they can hear you DJ and play some of these tracks live and they can dance and enjoy them with their fellow music lovers? So why don't you let folks know, how can they keep up on your upcoming events? How do they kind of stay updated? You can follow me on Twitter, I guess, where I usually post it. I don't tweet much, but I usually post the links of whatever I publish an article or a story or interview or review or whatever I write for different media it always goes on on twitter 
So you can find me there. And I also usually post links to parties if I'm DJing at a party event or uh, any concert or whatever I'm promoting. It goes there on Twitter. That's at Juandata. Very easy. J-U-A-N-D-A-T-A. And I have a blog, but it's been abandoned for a while. So I don't recommend you go there for new music. If you like music for a couple of years ago, there's plenty on my blog. It's latinbutcool.blogspot.com. And I'm currently writing uh, about Latin music for MTV Iggy, which is a website of a subsidiary of MTV focused on international music. And you can find it on mtviggy.com. And besides that, I also recommend that people do a little bit of digging and going to websites that, where you can buy vinyl records, stuff like this. Most of these records that I bought, I bought them directly from the record labels and because they're usually not easy to find in record stores. If there are record stores in your neighborhood, there are not that many left. I mean, there's still a few here in the Bay Area, but there's not that many that carry new stuff and... So a lot of this stuff, it's easier to find it online. You can order it online. For example, a lot of this I got, like I said, directly from the record labels, like the sonoramachicago.com, that was the Dos Santos. And um, a lot of the other ones, I got them from independentgrant.com, which is a distributor of independent record labels that they release vinyl. They're based in New York. So like the Chicano Batman and... I don't know, do your digging and find new music. It's always fun to get a package in the mail with a record and play it for the first time. I know it's people nowadays, they're used to the instant gratification of searching it on YouTube and playing it. (laughs) And I think that takes a a lot of the fun out of listening to new music. I'd rather wait for the vinyl to arrive and then sit down with my record and listen to the whole thing the way it was meant to be played. So those words right there by this music purist, Juan Data, who is breaking down a little bit about how he does his digging and how he finds his new favorite groups that he features in his writing and also DJs. And you can check him out here if you're in the Bay at his night at the layover. So you can definitely check that out. Fourth Thursday of the month, you can check out Juan Data and that party is named Stronghold. And so you can check that out and look at the layover website and make sure you don't miss it and mark it on your calendar. If you enjoyed this program, you want to share it with a friend, you can always like us on Facebook, La Rosa Chronicles on Facebook. And you can also find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles. And you can share our show that way. So if you miss any of this, you can always download our program on SoundCloud. And we want to thank Juan for coming in and sharing a few of these tunes. And we'll make sure to have him back to give us more. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to come back again soon. The Richmond, California Reg La Cuba Friendship Committee will be presenting two excellent films by Cuban filmmaker Gloria Rolando this Saturday evening, June 13th, at the East Bay Center for the Arts in Richmond. The films are Reembarque. It is the story of the historic immigration of Haitians to Cuba. And Eyes of the Rainbow, which is about Asata Shakur. KPFA's own Walter Turner will give an update on Cuba today. That's this Saturday, June 13th, at the East Bay Center for the Arts in Richmond. That wraps up our show. Muchísimas gracias por escuchar el programa. If you'd like to listen to our show again or share it with a friend, you can like us on Facebook. That's La Raza Chronicles on Facebook.com. Or you could also go to SoundCloud.com and you can listen or download our show there. Muchísimas gracias. If you'd like to share with us some news you think we should cover or events that you think we should put in our calendar, you can always email us at Chronicles at kpfa.org. Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches. Stay tuned for a vacha.